What's up, Gumbo listeners? Demetrius Malbro here, dropping another Data Protection Gumbo episode for you today. And I have the pleasure of speaking with Matt Waxman, head of product at Cohesity. And Matt has been in tech for over 20 years, starting as a software developer and then moving into product and enjoys anything that has to do with building products and growing businesses. Matt grew up in Montreal, lives in the Bay Area, and when the air is clear, he likes to mountain bike and play golf. Man, that's a life. So Gumbo listeners, Matt discusses how to solve the mass data fragmentation problem, data management as a service, automating workloads, and also leveraging RESTful APIs to achieve your backup objectives. So sit back and relax, and we'll take a few seconds to thank our sponsors. Haiku is a global leader in multi-cloud data protection, helping companies take advantage of their cloud platform of choice from on-premises to public clouds. Your purpose-built backup-as-a-service management and DR solutions are just one click away. Visit tryhaiku.com, that's tryhyc.com to get started today. Matt, welcome to Data Protection Gumbo. How are you today? Hey, Demetrius, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. What's your philosophy around managing and organizing and, and protecting all of the data that's kind of spread across, you know, on-premises and also the cloud. Yeah, I think Mohit started with a very grand vision, as you should, right? When you're going to tackle uh, big problems like this, um, you know, that started with silos in the data protection space, but really had a much, much bigger aperture against that. And, you know, I think it ultimately comes down to the fact that data has gravity. And so whether that data is is being stored, you know, for data protection purposes or for analytics purposes or so on and so forth, you end up with these silos built around um, different tool sets and different tool chains, um, you know, and all of those things requiring different management uh, models around that. So this notion of having a platform you know, being able to consolidate those things into, you know, a consistent experience and ultimately put a life cycle around them, I think is what, you know, will really solve the mass data fragmentation problem at scale. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the, the only way to really do it is to really be able to capture all of the data, regardless of whether it's on-prem, it's in the cloud, it's hybrid, it doesn't matter. You know, so I think the platform approach is one of the key uh, parts of our our philosophy and how we think about it. You know, the other is that uh, because data has gravity, it's really hard to move the data around. And so the idea of bringing your applications closer to the data is really powerful. And so you know, thinking about how do you add value to the data that you've already captured, how do you extract value out of that? Uh, means yeah. that you need to build an ecosystem. You need a community of uh, applications built around APIs and you know so on and so forth that are helping you to really manage okay. manage that data. Yeah, all of that makes uh, very good sense to me. Um, I, I like that philosophy as well. And just kind of back on on the AWS tip here is that they're they're continuing to grow. Still, you know, number one public cloud provider, and I think Microsoft Azure is slowly trying to gain steam is around Azure. What what are some of the challenges though that that you're solving I guess with your data management as a service offering? And uh, I do know that 
several vendors are already, you know, in that data protection, you know, software as a service space. What so what what makes yours different and and unique about I guess what Cohesity is doing also as well. Yeah. So so I think the challenges, you know, are pretty pretty clear and apparent to most people these days, you know, especially the past 9 months or so during uh pandemic, right? You've seen the pressure on the cost side of things uh in every industry, right? And of of course there are you know, great examples of companies that have just done the complete opposite have been rocket ships during this time. And we all know those ones. But um, for the most part, most people are feeling the constraint of their budgets being cut, and they have to be more considerate of, of costs. So being able to achieve predictability in your spend is is certainly top of mind. We, we ran a survey recently, uh, not just of our customers, but, you know, broadly in the market. And uh, 89% of the respondents in that survey said that their organization was looking to consider um, as a service solutions, um, and in at least in in most part due to um, budget cuts that they're that they're all facing. So, you know, first challenge is on the cost side of things, and it's not just about lowering costs, right? It's it's really about that notion of elasticity and and predictability in it. The second is uh, what I would broadly just categorize as self service which is with everyone working from home and even with, you know, vaccines on the horizon and so forth, you know, there's still going to be, I think, a long period of time where people continue to work from home and, and some that just choose to continue to work from home and companies that are going to really get the benefits of a distributed workforce. And that means, you know, the times of coordinating at a whiteboard, uh, being able to, you know, brainstorm over the water cooler, like those things are going to be a lot harder to do. Um, you're not going to go through a ticketing system to get things done. You want to be able to go and get it done yourself as, as an end user. We're all used to that, right, in our, in our personal lives as individuals when we deal with technology. And in, in the work environment, it needs to be that way uh, as well. So self-service is the second one I'd call out in terms of challenges that, you know, people are facing out there. And the third is agility. And again, like never more apparent than the time that we're in now. When you look at new applications, how quickly they're getting spun up, being able to leverage all that data that's out there and do it very, very quickly, you know, that that is your key differentiator as any company, you know, these days. Some people say every company is becoming a software company or technology company. It's really technology that's enabling all of those companies in their transformation. And um, that means that their culture needs to change. You and I know this well from from the DevOps uh, space as well, right? It's a big cultural transition, but uh, being able to move fast, right? Meet your customers' needs, spin up new features, new capabilities. Um, you know, it's hard to do that when you live in a world that isn't cloud-centric, um, right? That doesn't have solutions that can be delivered as a solution or as yeah. a service as well. Yeah, th those are great things. And, you know, we're, we're definitely moving um, in, in a direction around self-service. And, you know, you, you were at Puppet, so... IT automation, of course, it's hot. It's key. It's um, it's it's something that more and more organizations are starting to kind of wrap themselves around uh, more more from a cost savings perspective. And as you mentioned as well, too, is just uh, agility, right? I, I also noticed a strategic partnership announced. I guess you guys with Pure Storage is that correct? Yeah, several months ago we uh, did announce a, a partnership with Pure. This is uh, you know a a, a partnership that came out of customer demand, the best kind, right? Really? Um, so it's, yeah, it, it, it's really, you know, customers that are building uh, on all flash mm -hmm. and want to have uh, a modern solution 
that's built around that. So we've we've worked really closely with Pure to build this joint solution. Um, you know, this this isn't just about uh, reselling uh, or, or any sort of uh, model like that. This is truly we built a product um, together. Okay. And so we've integrated the products together around that to really deliver value quickly um, to customers. So they're not having in that whole model of silos, having to stand up independent solutions. Um, they can, you know, procure a, a joint solution here, stand it up really quickly. It's fully integrated from a management standpoint. The cost and TCO are really attractive. And so, you know, it was a very logical partnership for us. And, you know, it's just been a, I think a couple short months here since we announced and we're already seeing uh, customers deploying and, and adopting, which is really cool. So I'm just trying to wrap my mind around both of the solutions together. So I guess this is if you currently have a customer today that also has, I guess, a few peer storage arrays and, you know, they have your product as well, that they can actually kind of leverage what's already there and maybe leverage it through like a, a new management plane or a new UI, you know, how, how does that look? I'm, I'm still trying to yeah, like picture that. Yeah, I think um, the easiest way I think to think about it is if, um, you know, if you're going to deploy an all flash storage solution and you're, you know, picking pure to do that, then having a data protection solution that's integrated in out of the box with that, that gives you that sort of best of breed um, capability you know that's that's where the um, the solution comes comes to bear. Um, so obviously, you know we have existing customers today from Cohesity who have pure storage. There are pure customers who have Cohesity. This is really about delivering a joint solution to uh, to new customers or customers that are expanding. Um, and so that's that's really the solution. It is fully integrated, and it's you know it's uh, it's an OEM relationship. Okay. That that makes a lot more sense to me now. Okay, yeah. So, so sounds like a great partnership, and uh, sounds like uh, you guys will definitely be kind of working together moving forward and developing maybe some more products around or services around. I guess the integration there. Yeah, I think it fits. You know, like this whole notion of data management means that you have to be agnostic, right? In in some ways, you have to be able to support any data source, databases, SaaS applications traditional apps, so forth, and every data source that's out there and destination. And that means, you know, partnering with a lot of folks out there. And so we try to be partnering with the best um, that are out there, but mm -hmm. we also partner with many. So, you know, Pure is a great new partner. We also partner with Cisco and, and HPE, um, you know, Amazon, obviously, like we talked earlier. So, you know, we'll continue to work closely with other of the uh, you know the heavyweights out there in the in the industry. All right. So I guess with with that said, what what do you think will be the primary challenge? I guess customers will will need to address in twenty twenty one. Maybe a little beyond the pandemic. I think the pandemic will still be an issue, and you know we have a possible vaccine on the horizon. From a data protection backup recovery disaster recovery perspective, what do you see? Are you seeing something? different from, I guess, from what I'm seeing, because I'm, uh, or I'm pretty much seeing artificial intelligence and machine learning uh, really becoming more of a thread within backup and recovery and, you know, maybe continuing to use uh, software as a service and kind of building services on top of, you know, existing platforms in order to be more intelligent. Are you seeing something similar or what, what are you seeing? What's your, what's your crystal ball there? 
Yeah, you know, I, I, I've been in this space for quite a number of years in storage and data protection and infrastructure and so forth. And, you know, I think for some people, when I talk to them about, you know, what are you excited about? It's like, what can you be excited about? Like, how, how much are things really going to change? But the thing that keeps me really going here is there's just so much opportunity, I think, to uh, continue to not just evolve, but like revolutionize the way that we think about uh, data management. So, you know, my, my big focus, you know, going into 2021, um, and I, I think the big opportunity out there to help our customers around this are, are two things. One is um, what I would broadly call like consumerization of enterprise data management. Um, we have, you know, for so many years and decades now sort of tolerated enterprise products that are out there that are hard to use. You need a PhD to figure them out, right? Um, and, you know, we're so used to at this point, all of us, it doesn't matter what generation you're from at this point, used to interacting with technology in a much more human way. Like you mentioned AI and so forth, but that's just a piece of it, right? When you think about how much easier it is to spin up a podcast like this, um, you know, as anyone, you can just get to the technology. It's mostly freely available. It's really easy to learn. You don't need to read a manual and so forth. That same philosophy needs to be brought more deeply into uh, the data management space. And I think that, you know, that's that's super exciting to me because I think the notion of design and design centric thinking is it's just it's fun. It brings you closer to your customers and your end user. And, and, and that uh, I think we're well on our way on that. But there's still so much more uh, that can be done. So that that's one. Um, the other that I think is really interesting is that. You know, for the longest time, uh, data management has been centered around structured and unstructured data. And so it's it's always been, you know, how do I capture the data from a database or from a file system or so forth and start to put, um, you know, attributes around that protection, security, governance, policy, those types of things. But there's all this other data that exists out there in the ethos, right? You've got all this machine data and event streams and real-time data and all these other things. And, you know, you mentioned AI. Like, I, I think about the possibility when you start to combine these two data streams together and you look at the metadata that's coming out of them and what you can start to do around more advanced security and threat analysis and uh, governance and things like that. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff coming on the horizon that I think is going to take, you know, this from being in the sort of dark corners of, of the infrastructure into really being sort of front and center. So those, those are the two big things, I think, in 2021 that I'm most excited about. And if you think we're even close to being finished dropping data protection knowledge, Gumbo listeners, we have some more ingredients to share with you when we get back from thanking our sponsors. Haiku is a global leader in multi-cloud backup as a service. With more than 2,000 customers in 70 countries, Haiku's award-winning solutions ease and simplify backup and recovery, data migration and management, and disaster recovery for the leading on-premises and public cloud environments. The company's solutions are used by enterprises around the world to protect and recover mission-critical workloads. 
Haiku was founded with the belief that data protection should be like a native service of the cloud platform as easy to use as iPhone backup, focused on business applications and deliver an elastic service that scales with the customer. The company's award-winning backup-as-a-service solutions protect customers' data equally well wherever it resides while offering a level of simplicity that allows anyone to turn on enterprise-ready data protection without extensive training or professional services. Visit Haiku.com. To learn more or try haiku.com to get started today. And to Matt, we're back in. And before the break, you were discussing your thoughts on the primary challenges that customers will need to address in 2021 since we still have the pandemic going strong and a couple vaccines on the horizon. And for the rest of this episode, let's get into the codification of workloads, applications, and automating backups. You know, I, I can't have an episode where where we don't talk about security at least a little bit. And ransomware always seems to come up and and is a topic. Do I guess do you have any any uh, ransomware like recovery stories or some something interesting that that you can share just around ransomware and how Cohesity does it and something that maybe Cohesity has has done with with their platform around you know recovering from ransomware. Any stories for us? Yeah, you know, obviously ransomware is a really critical uh, use case. Um, and certainly, you know, this year has been one of the hottest uh, use cases that, that we've certainly mm-hmm. been working with our customers um, on. And so, you know, everyone has their story around it. And ultimately, <laughs> the best stories are the stories you don't hear about, which is you don't actually yeah. get subject to, uh, to a breach or to an attack uh, in that way. So, you know, I think the, the things that are interesting um, insights there are, you know, when, when we think about, you know, how we're helping our customers in identifying potential attacks and then ultimately averting them, you know, we're, we're processing uh, a huge number of alerts, hundreds of thousands of daily events get processed by our system. Um, you know, that, that turn into obviously using AI and machine learning, we're not going to alert users on every one of those. Uh, when we start to look at patterns and so forth that come out of that, you know, that comes down to across our customer base, you know, uh, thousands, small number of thousands, um, you know, and every one of those, well, um, it's inevitable that you will have some false positives. I think anything is subject to that is ultimately helping customers, you know, avert a, a potential shutdown and, we, we've seen in the news, you know, healthcare facilities and, and providers have been large targets and being able to help those folks uh, prevent potential downtime and ultimately uh, recover if they do, unfortunately, get subject to them. Um, I think yeah. that's really fulfilling, right? That's, I think, part mm-hmm. of our mission is to help our customers uh, keep access to their data um, and secure and secure their data. So, you know, that's um, uh, not any one individual uh, story yeah, around you. that, because I think everyone, unfortunately, is subject to it these days. It's not uh, uh, no one's special, if you will, around uh, ransomware yeah. in that regard when it comes to verticals. Yeah, I've, I've heard that it. it's not a matter of, uh, of if, it's when, right? Yeah, exactly. When are you going to get it? Exactly. Okay, so uh, exactly. also just kind of tapping back into your, your previous experience over at Puppet. You know where where I sit right now. Just just wanted to know, I guess, how important you think the codification of of workloads and applications and you know let let's say backups, right? Because 
you know, working for a backup company nowadays, it, it, it doesn't mean the same thing that it, that it used to mean. It was really more hardware centric. Uh, you know, back in the day when I was a TSM administrator and I was changing uh, tapes out and, you know, dealing with bad tapes and robots and things from that perspective. But um, I guess w- what is Cohesity doing on, on the front around, I guess, you know, automating workloads? And I know you have uh, your REST API there. Or, or what are you doing that's really interesting, I guess, from, from an automation perspective? Yeah. So I think there's two ways of looking at uh, automation in this context. And I think the traditional one has been very op-centric, right? Uh, most of this infrastructure is how do you manage the infrastructure itself versus the outcome that you're trying to drive for? So, um, you know, we've got a, a rich set of capabilities there, whether it's APIs or, you know, management integrations into other portals and, and things like that. Um, but I think the other side of automation that is um, really exciting and kind of comes back to what I was mentioning before, what I look forward to in, in 2021 is, you know, the, the more developer centric side of the world, which is really where a lot of people are spending their times these days, right? When you think about all the tools and um, services that are now available, you know, to DevOps teams or developers building out applications, you know, it's, it's as simple as subscribing to a service to get a lot of stuff done. And so how do you take those use cases that are part of a data management portfolio or, or set of services and turn them into something that can be consumed by developers? And I think that's, that's where we're going to see the next evolution here is, you know, thinking about turning your data management capabilities into a set of APIs that you could consume through your, um, through your pipeline, through your CI/CD pipeline or as part of your application itself. Um, you know, you're spinning up new versions of your application. Do you want to take a snapshot right before you roll out that next version? Do you want to go through and, you know, do some masking of, of potentially sensitive data that's within that? Um, do you want to put some governance and policy updates in place as you roll out a new application build? You know, those types of things are not interacting with the infrastructure like it's infrastructure, it's interacting with the data and managing that data. So I think the automation, when it comes to in a, a developer-centric world, integrating with the DevOps tools and so forth, are you know some of the things that we've put already some good investment in, and we're only going to do more. So we already have great integrations. Um, but uh, you know I think that's, that's going to be the next frontier when it comes to automation and uh, sort of codifying, like you said, the whole world of, of data management. Okay, great. That sounds exciting. And it, it seems like I've, I've asked you tons of, you know, futuristic type questions, you know, hey, what do you think is going to gonna happen in 2021 and in and, and 2025 and et cetera, right? So I'm, I'm going to roll to the to the closing gumbo question, and it's not a technical question. So just, just want to let you know that it's not technical. It's something that may throw you for a loop here, but I'll give you a moment to think about it. And uh, it's it's a it's a cool question, though. I, and maybe you've heard it you've heard it by listening to a previous episode. So the question is, if you had an opportunity to travel back in time to have a conversation with your sixteen year old self, what what would you tell your sixteen year old self that could possibly change your 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 future destiny? Gosh, Demetrius, you're getting uh, you're getting all sorts of thoughts going in my head here. I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to balance the things that I was thinking about when I was 16 versus what I'm thinking about now. But 
Um, you know, I think I think that the thing, and maybe this is just very situational. I'm sure a lot of people are feeling this, given what 2020 has been as a year. Is um, is balance? You know, that's that's the thing that um, you know. I, I go back and I think about how much time we all spend in work in our work lives committed to something, you know, maybe uh, at the detriment of spending time with family or with friends or, you know, reading a book or going for a walk. And, you know, we, we end up sometimes doing things to an extreme. And um, I think when I was 16, that's what I thought success would look like. You know, you do something so well that you commit all your time to it. And I think if there's one thing I've learned this year to appreciate a lot more, it's being able to actually balance stuff out and find uh, new and different ways to connect and uh, be good to yourself and good to your community, you know, and, and take the time to actually invest in learning and bettering yourself and, and so forth. So I don't think my 16 year old self would have heard me if I if I shared that <laughs> then. But I, I do feel like with years, there's a little bit of wisdom that comes and with a lot of time in our hands these these past few months, uh, certainly a lot of time for reflection and introspection. So that's that would be my answer, Demetrius. Okay. Yeah, I, I like it. It's a, it's a, a very introspective answer and you know, there there's no wrong answer. I just appreciate you, you know, sharing your your input, your insight and also taking time out to, you know, come on Data Protection Gumbo. Um, it's it's been it's been a pleasure, you know, having you on and uh, I, I look forward to, you know, seeing what Cohesity has next since you are know head of product there and i'm sure you guys are working on some pretty cool things so uh just thank you again for coming on the gumbo hey thanks so much for having me i look forward to chatting again soon thank you for listening to data protection gumbo please follow us on twitter at dpg podcast and join our backup and recovery professionals linkedin group just search backup and recovery professionals on linkedin and you will find the group and until next time gumbo listeners have a fantastic week